Hi, I'm Rex Miller, and you are listening to The Resilience Lab, an Imagine a Place production where we explore how to integrate resilience into work and our lives through the journey and story of others. My guest today is both an architect and an engineer, and is someone that I've dubbed the people whisperer. Karen Moses works for Gensler, and she proposed to them six years ago a plan to help their managers develop more emotional intelligence. Coming out of the pandemic, Gallup says that this is the number one challenge managers face. I am so excited to share this interview with you because I took notes. I gained a deeper understanding of the skills behind emotional intelligence, and I learned about the strategy of shifting the culture. Karen and I also dove into the challenges that early career employees are facing. This is such a timely interview, so get out pen and paper, and let's get ready to welcome Karen Moses to the Resilience Lab. Karen, thank you for coming back. Um, so, question, you've got a pretty unique role in Gensler. You're an engineer by background. And architect. And architect, okay. <laughs> and so, how does somebody move into being a people whisperer? I mean, that's my term for it, but describe what you're doing with Gensler right now, and it was it a new position they created for you? It was a new position. So there was a bit of a transition uh, in my career. So as you mentioned, I did start in, in architecture and then, um, and then engineering, and uh, then I went on my own to do coaching, leadership training, um, conflict resolution, and actually Gensler was a client Oh, for quite a few years. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, in 2018, um, I basically wrote a job description and, um, you know, reached out to my contacts in the Southwest region and uh, mentioned, I think you guys need this. What do you think? And uh, the timing couldn't have been more perfect. Um, I think, you know, what I thought I was going to be doing, which was internal coaching, uh, training and development, leadership coaching, um, evolved, you know, to really be about shifting the culture and really looking at wow. ways that we could be more inclusive and um, looking at our systems to see if there was a fair process, you know, for our people to get leadership positions, you know, for bonus allocation, all wow. of those things. And so that it happened just pre-pandemic, I think it was so, you know, it was so fortunate, the timing, because when we did get to COVID, um, I think we were pretty well equipped to navigate or better equipped, let's say, you know, on a people front. So how did COVID either accelerate or get in the way of the process? There were different needs because of COVID. So how how did you adapt to that? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When it first happened, it was, um, I think it was, I felt a lot of fear, like a lot of people in terms mm -hmm. of how much we had accomplished and what that would have done for us, right? Uh, the progress we were making, uh, especially with those, you know, culture shifts and, and things like that. And um, having to put a lot of things on pause, on hold to reorient 
uh, you know, from the types of trainings we were delivering to how we um, were looking at performance and and those kinds of things. And so, at first, I think it was a big pause and 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 a rethinking. Um, and then eventually, it gave us an opportunity to. Uh, really lean into uh, empathy and vulnerability okay. and um, being able to talk about things that maybe before were a little bit more taboo. Um, and it was a lot around also coaching the leadership to promote transparency uh, as much as we could along the way because there's so much that was unknown. Um, but, you know, the shift, I think, at first was a step backwards. And, you know, it's certainly like coming back, returning to being together. Yeah. You know, it's different, right? And so sure. it's right. not that the work we did before we threw away. Um, I think it gives us a foundation. But also there's a lot that we just had to, you know, rethink completely. Now, you had mentioned that you recommended to Genzor that I think you need this. <laughs> And it's probably true for most architectural engineering firms. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't do a lot of people development or leadership development. What is it that you saw that they needed that they say, yeah, we we need this? Well, I mean, it was at that point I had been doing coaching with them for about six years. And so, okay. um, you know, they were spending a tremendous amount of money, right, of consulting fees, with me coming in and doing executive coaching and doing leadership uh, development. But there wasn't, from my understanding, being outside, which ended up being true, there wasn't anyone who was, you know, making sure that the process didn't end when, right. you know, a when coaching the assignment. Went, exactly. went home, that it just, exactly. it was a great experience then, but But then how stay. do you keep it? Right. Yeah. That's um, great. Yeah. And then, you know, the training piece, like, you know, ensuring that uh, our talent had the career development opportunities and we're looking at how do we upskill um, our talent and, you know, provide um, trainings, not just the hard skills trainings, but soft skills, right, which uh, became uh, a big focus for me when I started there. Now, I know you have a real focus on emotional intelligence. And I'm not sure every uh, everybody's heard of emotional intelligence but I'm not sure people know what the components of it are in, and that it is a measurable mm -hmm. thing you can do. So describe that a little bit because I'm going to lead. Next question is why do we need it, especially now? But let's talk about what it is. Yeah, there are different models of, of EQ as there are, you know, strengths-based assessment type models, right? So for emotional intelligence, uh, there's always two components though. One is how much you understand yourself, so self-awareness, right? So it's really understanding your internal landscape and um, having a vocabulary to, to describe your internal landscape. You know, what am I feeling right now, okay, for example? Good. I was going to say, describe internal landscape. Yeah, like what is the emotional state and is what what are my body sensations, you oh. know? Um, and, and it's just having, it's almost like a meta-awareness aware of your thoughts, right? So mm -hmm. it's the witnessing of your thoughts of you know, I understand I'm thinking this, um, where's the, the thought coming from? And then, you know, the second piece of it, which is the other part of emotional intelligence, and what am I going to do with this information? So that's the managing of the emotional okay. state, right? Okay. So it's understanding what it is, so that's self-awareness, and then managing that um, so that, you know, you are 
self-restraint, you know, we have self-control, um, empathy, right? You can take time to listen and understand the other person's perspective, uh, building strong relationships and understanding the expectations of those relationships, uh, making great decisions, even when situations are pretty stressful, um, and all the way to like flexibility and optimism. That's all part of emotional intelligence. So I can imagine you being in a room of architects, principals, senior associates, and not everyone's going to just buy into this. And I I had a group say, we don't believe in any of this fuzzy-wuzzy, horoscopy, kumbaya, cycle babble bullshit. That's I cannot repeat to that. Yeah. <laughs> so this was not what they were thinking was going to be a good use of time. And they told me directly. So what kinds, what range of responses have you gotten? And then the tough cases, how do you handle those tough cases? I think you start with like very tangible examples um, mm-hmm. and practical ways in which emotional intelligence will help the individual, the team, right? So every team has challenges, right? right? Yeah. So let's just start with that. So how you navigate those challenges and the impact that the challenges will have in the team has everything to do with emotional intelligence, right? So um, can the leader assert the direction without being aggressive, like assertiveness versus aggression? Um, can people have empathy for each other's perspectives, right? And, um, and so you start just sort of taking examples of things that they're dealing with and you say, okay, here's how emotional intelligence will help you. And you might not even use the language, Mm. right? You just help them navigate. And then after the fact, you know, you can have a conversation around, you know, what do you think about building the skills? So the next time you know how to handle this, your team knows how to handle this. Um, And so then there's more of an openness rather than, you know, sort of preaching to the choir, you know, a bunch of, you know, fuzzy words, right? It's like, how does it show up Every day, you want your team to be more collaborative. Right. Okay, well, let's look at how we communicate with one another, and um, if we're interrupting each other all the time, what does what does that look like for the individual who's being interrupted? Is that you know stopping a person from being able to contribute fully and being fully creative? And what is the end result for your team if that's happening? Right. So if you're not taking the best out of people, um, so I think. I didn't come in like I'm going to preach to everybody. It was more like let me let me help try and solve some of the challenges that are happening right now. Um, and one of the things that I think was very successful, which I didn't know that was going to be so successful. So I don't take credit for like actually being strategically thinking about that. Um, uh, when I first started, I did emotional intelligence assessments. Um, for all of the principals and studio directors across the region. It was more than 80 people that went through this assessment, and we did include a 360 component. But the secret sauce was that I debriefed every single person, and it was confidential. It wasn't meant to, like, we're going to, you know, tell the leadership, like, you know, this is the score, and this is what people are saying about you. It just provided me with a one-on-one opportunity with every single person in leadership to talk about professional development and growth opportunities in a very safe context, right? So even if the scores were hard uh, and the feedback was hard, what I heard during that time from many leaders was, wow, 
I wish I knew this 10 years ago. Right, absolutely. And so I think if you use emotional intelligence or any kind of assessment as a a developmental opportunity, um, I actually think that leaders appreciate that because we're, you know, as you grow in your leadership role, you have, um, you continue to have blind spots just like everybody else, but you have less people coming to you and telling you your blind spots because of authority, right? Um, I'm much more scared to tell you what I'm seeing. So, um, so that was, I think, a very successful strategy that wasn't really strategically planned to yeah. have that one-on-one confidential conversation that built so much trust right. with me and them. They're like, hey, I got your back. Like, even if, you know, I'm seeing some dramatic things here in your assessment, um, I want to help you, right? I want nice. to support you. So, Plus, that was a major, I mean, to have that that number of leaders mm-hmm. experience it firsthand just helps throughout the rest of the organization. Exactly. Now, you you kind of straddle both, you've got a lot of experience, but also you still have a good touch with the younger mm-hmm. employees coming in. What are you seeing as they're coming in, even being having been onboarded during the pandemic? What are the challenges they're facing? How is what you're providing, the emotional intelligence training, helping them or could help them? You know, first of all, they, I, I do a regional training that's open for everybody. And the mm-hmm. audience is usually more of the early career team members um, yeah. that will you know, take that on. And they love it. Um, and they love it because it's a moment in time where they have, you know, um, the opportunity to reflect on things that they probably never learned in school. But also to talk to their peers, sometimes people a little bit more senior to them, and understand, wow, this is that I'm experiencing, you know, other people have it too, or, wow, they're thinking about those things, you know, that can really help me. I want to, you know, leverage the lessons on because I do breakouts and they're talking to each other, even right. in regional context. So um, I think that the biggest challenge, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about this before, for those coming into the workforce right now, especially if they started during COVID, is the integration into the culture, right? right. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, being together accelerates that. It's not that it's impossible to do it remote, um, but it's being comfortable with other people and being comfortable even when the situation is tough and just generally uncomfortable. Like right. you don't agree with someone or there's a conflict going on um, and understanding what your body language and your triggers and your reaction to those things are because they are, this is the learning ground for anyone starting their careers to being able to manage stress of tough clients in the future, right? So we can't take that away. And I feel like that's the challenge. We have to basically bridge that gap right now. Yeah, I've had some companies talk to me about these early career people coming out. And there's some of the things they just didn't get in school, some even basic life skills, budgeting, things Mm -hmm. like that. So how much... um, the bridge between the more senior leaders and the younger leaders are, are the senior leaders able to make that bridge or are you the cat you, are you the bridge to help them understand the gap and and we really do have a different kind of crop of of uh, early career individuals generationally life experience wise disruption all of that stuff plays into we got a lot of catch up to do with some of these young younger kids. Yeah, I mean, I think some people are naturally more open to learning. 
Uh, so, you know, you take a, a manager or a senior leader who's just more open to listening, you know, mm-hmm. to uh, a, a junior, you know, team member and and learning from them. And so we have quite a few of those. And, and what you see is that in those particular studios, you have higher levels of engagement, higher yep. retention, right? Um, and then there are leaders that, you know, what we try to do is promote opportunities for the exposure and really um, emphasize the importance of forming those connections. It doesn't matter, like, how long somebody been in the firm or how junior they are that getting to know them more personally uh, will help them understand where they're coming from and then ultimately is good for decision-making, right? So when you're having to make a decision for a group of people, the more you know them, uh, the better your decision-making will be. So, you know, it's really promoting, uh, you know, can we create communities within studios, for example, where we give uh, more early career uh, team members exposure to leadership you know, opportunities yeah. uh, and not have them uh, just be listeners, but actually have them be active contributors to the conversation, right? Um, so this see, fly I really see the fly, me. the fly yeah. loves you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's what happens when you're, when you're in a stable with horses. I love it, yeah. yeah. As long as it's not going to look super awkward here. So. Yeah, it'll be fine. Now, um, part two, because of the pandemic, we've discovered we have some additional needs you know, wellness is a bigger deal, equity, um, how we're helping people, um, you know, we're finding the gap. We found a lot of gaps, gaps in healthcare, gaps in how resilient we are, gaps in fairness, all of that. So what are some of the things that you discovered that you're now focusing on trying to bridge? A lot of what you mentioned, (laughs) but I do want to point out uh, that is important for people to understand that individually and as organizations, we have stages of learning, right? So the first stage being unconscious about your incompetency, right? Right. So you Uh just don't know what you don't know. Call it the ignorance is bliss stage. And then there's the awareness piece where now you're being made aware of those efficiencies. And it's uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable, Right. right? And so... I think it's really critical that when you point to the issue, to the deficiency, that you have to remember that this is just a second stage. And, mm. you know, so then it's really about how can we create new habits, right? And are the systems that we have in place going to promote us to, you know, foster the habits that we're saying are important? So it can't end there. That's why just awareness of an issue can actually be counterproductive because then people feel very reactive and I've seen that right? Right, right defensive you know I it's so uncomfortable and there's denial of the issues right so you sure, want right. to it's natural it's natural yeah. so I think that you move from that stage to the stage where you actually become excited about the change is to help them paint a picture of success right of what like can that. this look right. like once we take full ownership yeah. of this right so we like talking about innovation right in design right in many industries Innovation uh, increases exponentially when we have diverse perspectives around the table. We know that. There's a ton of research on that. But in order for us to get the voices around the table to speak and to feel included, we have to create an inclusive, you know, culture, right? We have to. So you can actually get people to feel excited about creating a highly innovative team or group yep. um, and and then go back and say, okay, so here's how we get there, right? Here are the changes that we're going to have to do, um, you know, if we want to be this diverse organization. And so it, don't forget to go from that stage number two to three where you're painting this picture with the individual or the organization, 
uh, and then you're putting all the, the systems and trainings in place to facilitate, right, and coach people to get there. And then, you know, lastly, then it becomes new ways of, of being, right? So um, so that's the okay. first thing. So yeah. I think, you know, we, yes, I think a lot of organizations saw the issues, same same with us. Um, and then we're in the stage of, like, creating new new things. I think that the biggest gap um, was how dramatically – it was there was a quote that I heard during COVID that it really stuck with me that even though we were all under the same storm, we all had very different boats. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I think it was understanding how vastly different our boats really were and how exposed that became from, you know, our yeah. leaving situations to yeah. uh, even our mental, you know, capacity to handle our, our you know, sort of stress and, and things like that. So that apparent contrast it's a how do you how do you level out the playing field you know so um the boat it's it's you know it's for everybody it's so true i mean you can bring 10 people in and hear their stories lost a dog or Mm -hmm. parent or friend or lost my job or whatever so unique and as you say everybody's support system is different and everybody's individual capacity is different so it, it's challenging, and the challenge goes directly to the management level. They're, having, they're being asked to do things they've never been asked to do before, not only to get results, but almost to become life coaches. So has some of the focus or your emphasis helping these managers, you know, gain that extra skill level and that awareness level on how to do that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate the question. Um, yeah. I, I laughed when you said they have to be life coaches. I I think the more you are in a leadership role, more your issues are going to be people related. Right. They, they so, are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but the model is is that you're not a people, you, yeah. you know, you're great technical expert and people skills are ancillary, even though we know it's still it's still baked into the system. Yeah, I think, you know, we do coaching trainings uh, pretty heavily. Um, mm-hmm. I, I run those every year. And uh, and then, you know, throughout the year, we continue to develop coaching skills and coaching yep. muscles across the board. Um, you know, uh, definitely senior leaders, you know, as well. Um, and uh, so I think, you know, when you think about coaching skills, it, it is really about um, – going from the doer, you know, to sort of delegating and asking yeah. great questions and, yep. and giving space. I think that, you know, that is one of the privileges that I hold at Gensler to be able to coach the leaders when they are in situations where, you know, normally they may not have had somebody to speak about the challenges that they're facing and then helping them have the conversations or navigate those people-related issues. And so I still play the coach, you know, role internally, um, and uh, giving, you know, sort of even holding a mirror and helping them gain perspective. Um, but I think people are leaning in. I see a lot more leaders actually leaning in. Um, you know, it used to be that a few people would reach out yeah. for support. And now it's like multiple times a day, right. I'll get a phone call. I'm like, I really want to talk to you. There's something happening, you know, wow. don't know how to navigate. And I think that's wonderful. You know, I think just the openness to have the conversation, it's a signal to me that things are changing. Yeah. So when do you see that your your capacity is going to be hit and you're going to have to begin building others in your system? Yeah. And I, that's the that's the goal, you yeah. know, that okay. um, as a coach and you know this, like we want to, you know, coach them to 
their full potential so that you no longer need my coaching, right? right. So, and I see a lot of leaders um, just they've taken the, the stuff so much, they absorbed so quickly, and they are champions of, of this work. I don't really don't need to say anything. They are doing the work. Um, I can think of quite a few actually principals or, you know, senior associates um, in, in the Southwest region that I would highly recommend if people are going through stuff, like talk to this person, nice. they will help okay. you navigate. So I think I feel like for me, I've moved from being just a person to more being the connector and being there able to go. help. Like I okay. know who's the resource for you to help you with this. So to wrap this up, you talked about transformation. That's a big word for a big company. And you've seen some movement. You've seen the needle move in some areas. Mm -hmm. But we're let, – let's project out, say we're here June next year, 2024. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about where do you hope to move the needle and, and what's going to move Gensler into that next level of that kind of emotionally intelligent organization. That's such a really good question. Um, I would love to see that what we are recognizing and celebrating, you know, um, Ed Gensler moves more and more in the direction of what makes people feel truly included and, you mm -hmm. know, the celebrating the culture. Um, and I think we do that, um, but not at the level that I think we need to be at where we're paying just as much attention to that as we are to all of the other metrics that moves the business forward. Yeah. So I'm taking away, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm taking some things away from what you said, you know, the, the stages of unconscious incompetence, the conscious incompetence and all the way up, you can almost map where you are in different levels True. as, as a matrix. So I'm taking that away from our conversation. I like that. And the the continued expansion where it's not just you, but now you're the connector, that that is interesting as well. For you, what what's the next six months look like? I'm growing my team okay. a little bit. And so there is definitely, uh, you know, onboarding uh, new team members and taking on projects that um, I haven't been able to, to take on because of lack of support. And one of them is actually we have, you know, five years worth of data, right? Oh, wow. Emotional intelligence okay. reports. Um, we do um, studio feedback every year of all of our studio directors. We get feedback from, from you know, the team members. Um, basically, it's a kind of a, a feedback also exercise for all of the studio directors. And I, I'm intrigued by correlations and, um, and, and, you know, obvious gaps. You know, there's some things that I could see as patterns, but I haven't taken the time to really look at data. And, yeah. you know, female and male comparing in terms of leadership skills are there things that are predominantly different that we need wow. to, like, pay attention to. Um, does tenure in the organization shift certain skills? Um, you know, is somebody coming in and having a certain years of experience and taking on a senior role? Are they going to jump in? maybe with better skills or worse skills, you know? So, um, and, and really I think understanding what makes it for a really successful contributor at Gensler, right? Yeah, so right. I think we have the data is just really distilling it. Karen, thank you. I think what you've done for those that are listening is you've opened up a whole new understanding of what a person in your role can bring to a company because I don't think it's well-defined and I do think that a lot of, individuals feel it's a little bit of fluff, but you've got rigor 
you've got process, you've got frameworks, uh, you've got metrics that you're bringing to it, plus you're building that trusted advisor capacity in there. So I'm, I'm extremely impressed and grateful that you came on the Resilience Lab. Thank you. Well, thank you. This conversation was wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Take care. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, I'd appreciate a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Please check out the other Imagine a Place podcasts. And if you'd like to learn more about building resilience, you can follow me on LinkedIn.